True Sports. I'm your lead host, Zach. And on this episode, we're here to do our NBA midseason review episode. So we're going to be asking each other questions about current events in the NBA, who we think is going to win the championship, that sort of thing. Now let me introduce you to the rest of the crew. And what's up, y'all? It's Eric here. I'm your ranting co-host and your NFL and NBA guy and looking forward to this all-NBA episode. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a while since we've done an all-NBA featured episode. But with that being said, guys, we did put a Twitter thread out on the Clutch Crew Sports Twitter account where we asked people uh, to send us questions. We only got one one question here. It was from Icy Chark on Twitter. Go follow him. He's a he's a one of the few Jags fans on Twitter I know. So he's he's real fun to interact with. He he did win our giveaway back like a month or so ago. So he he's a big time fan of Clutch Crew Sports. But his question was, who do you like better, Westbrook or Damian Lillard? And I think it's going to come to no surprise to anybody that I'm going to say Damian Lillard. But I found this uh, this picture here, and it's kind of got all the different uh, parts of basketball, and it's broken down by who wins, who loses. And this is what just they came up with. They put seven to six Lillard. And I would probably agree with most of these. Uh, I would probably agree with it being seven six, but the margins are where I think Damian Lillard wins a lot in because – Three-point shooting, or outside scoring, they call it. That's to Lillard, but that's a huge to Lillard. Uh, leadership, same thing. Better scorer, same thing. One-on-one, I mean, we saw that in the playoffs last year. Uh, le- you know, clutch, no question, it's Lillard. So the ones that Lillard has checked on his name, I totally agree with by a lot. But then there's some for Westbrook's, like, the rebounding aspect for him yeah, he does have an advantage, but most of those rebounds are, like we said, not impactful type of rebounds. And same thing with the rim protection. I mean, he's more of a rim protector than Damian Lillard, but he's a point guard. How much rim protection are they really going to get? So I don't think it's as close as 7-6 to six if I had to put it on, like, a 1-10 to scale and, like, 5 being, like, a dead even. I would say it's, like, 7.5 in favor of Lillard and like three and a half uh, or two and a half to, to Westbrook. But that's just where I stand on this. Eric, where do you stand? Oh yeah. I'm in a hundred percent agreement here. And unlike Zach's it's because everybody knows with Zach being a mm-hmm. Portland fan, it would definitely be no surprise that you pick Damian Lillard. Now with me being a Thunder fan and Westbrook being a part of the Thunder for so long, most people would probably think I would pick Westbrook, but if I was starting a franchise today and I got to choose between these two players, give me Damian Lillard every time. I'm in 100% agreement about the stats for Lillard being way more advantageous than Westbrook. And I was going to say, if you weren't going to say it on Westbrook, I was going to say on the rim protection, who cares? They're point guards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're not, we're not talking about two centers here. So for the rim protection, I really could care less about that. The rebounding, it's not like he's boxing out Joel and Bede and getting rebounds. They're just, <laughs> their rebounds yeah. are falling into his lap. So they're not really that impactful. And 
honestly, on defense, I don't even really know if I would agree with that. I That's don't, true. I don't really think – I mean, neither of these guys are elite defenders, but I wouldn't really argue that Westbrook is a better defender than Lillard. I mean, he he's known for getting torched a lot. So, really, I would probably just put that as an even and not give the edge to Westbrook. And then one of the things that's not on here is turnovers. I don't see that on any of these lists. I'm making sure I'm. Yeah, it's, it's this, on like the, is, the right side, then the left side. It, yeah, so this is my <laughs> first time seeing this list. So I just wanted to make sure I didn't yeah. miss it. But uh, Damian Lillard's a much better ball protector than Russell Westbrook is. Russell Westbrook's known for turning the ball over a lot, and that's usually one of the biggest differences between who wins and who loses in basketball is the amount of turnovers and then compared to the getting the points off of turnovers, which that's a different thing. But when you're turning the ball over a lot, that's not helping. And so I know I don't, I guess I don't really see passing on here. I guess that would probably go more with playmaking, I guess, which they give Westbrook the advantage. And so, yeah, Westbrook's going to get more assists and things like that, but he also has a lot more turnovers. So it's not, really that beneficial to get a bunch of assists when you're also turning the ball over a lot. So I know there's probably a lot of people that would say Westbrook because of his triple doubles and stuff like that, but I don't really care about that. If I'm starting a team and I can pick between these two guys, I want a leadership quality and I just want an overall ability and clutch ability, which is what Lillard has by far over Westbrook. So yeah, I mean, I mean, you notice. I mean, obviously, I hated it when Westbrook was on the Thunder, but you know, when you watch these two teams play against each other in the playoffs, Lillard was always getting into Westbrook's head all the time. So, yeah, give me Damian Lillard. I know that might shock people, but that's my pick. <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's a very logical pick, and and I didn't even think about the defense aspect, but like Russell Westbrook picks up so many fouls when he plays defense, it seems like, whereas Lillard is never in foul trouble. He never fouls out. But we've seen Russ, especially in the playoffs, pick up a lot of dumb fouls on defense, and that's that's negative. You can be ultra-aggressive, yeah. and sometimes you win those and get the steals, but if you have three fouls in 10 minutes, like you're going to be missing the majority of the rest of the game. So that's also a huge, huge thing as well. Yeah, I, and, I remember I saw a game earlier in the season, and Russell Westbrook actually got four <laughs> fouls in the first quarter. Wow. I was like, bro, how did you – first of all, why the coach didn't take yeah, the no, that's... <laughs> I, you know, by the third foul, I don't know. But, yeah, he got four fouls in the quarter. I was like, wow, bro. <laughs> I mean, I know that was like a once in a million type of thing. That's not going to yeah. happen very often. But and, still, like, that's bad. <laughs> the, last, the last thing I want to – I want to ask Eric this. Uh, does it look like the, the picture for Lillard has, like, some baby filter on it? Because, man, like – that does not look anything like him. It looks like they like smooth his face out. And, like I don't know if it's just me looking at this, like, but like, doesn't it look like they tried to make it his does, face look like a baby or something? It like, does look like his skin is really smooth or something. There, <laughs> I guess I didn't really notice that that you said it, but I've, I've just been staring at it this whole time. Like, gosh, now that, that I'm is... looking closer at it, I, <laughs> that, that does not look like it. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so th- that answers your question. I see Charik on who we prefer, Lillard or Westbrook. And now we'll move on to our regular topics. So this is my slide here. I'm going to 
all these pictures I'm going to be asking Eric questions about, but we're going to start with the Lakers and Clippers because that's the huge storyline coming into this season, and both teams have lived up to the expectations. They're both top three seeds in the West. So we each kind of have a question on on this matchup between these two teams, so we're going to kind of combine these questions. But my my just general take between the Clippers and Lakers, and I know I predicted the Lakers to go to the finals, but if I had, you know could go back on that or just pick right now who I think's the better team between the two, I'm going to go with the Clippers. Uh, they just their defense is stifling, man. They they have six or seven really good defenders, and the Lakers I think right now are in a weird state where. They have LeBron as a playmaker, but they don't really have another playmaker. And obviously, Anthony Davis is the better co-star than Paul George. But other than that, Kuzma's very inconsistent. Dwight Howard, uh, Rondo, all the other guys on the Lakers, it doesn't seem like their bench is going to carry them because we've seen in the games that these two teams have played where... The Lakers would get out to big leads, and then the Clippers' second unit, which is one of the best second units in the game, featuring Lou Williams, comes in and brings the game back back to being a close game. And then at the end of the game, I give a huge advantage to the Clippers because Anthony, Anthony Davis's fourth quarter scoring this season has been way at the bottom. I think he's only averaging like two points in the fourth quarter, and... The Clippers, Kawhi Leonard is clutch. Uh, Lou Williams is is a really good closer. He's one of the more underrated players. He always wins uh, sixth man of the year. I think he's won that three times in a row. And it, he plays he plays starter like minutes, but he comes in with the second unit. He closes the game, and that's I don't think there's anybody on the Lakers that can defend all these guys. You also have to worry about Paul George when he comes back fully healthy which i expect that to happen i with all those (laughs) things in mind i think the lakers are going to start out better in a lot of these games but over the course of the game when the Clippers' second unit comes in and when the closing happens because lebron james is not a closer kuzma is probably their best closer right now but i would still take a couple people on the clippers before i took kuzma to close the game out so I'm flipping my pick between the Clippers and Lakers right now. I like the Clippers better, but Eric, what do you? Where do you stand between these two teams? Well, Zach, I'd like to first say welcome to the right side <laughs> of the LA basketball spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> it took it took me half the season, guys, but I'm here. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and it's obviously understandable why anyone would pick the Lakers going into the season, and obviously they could still win it. I mean it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out, but I did pick the Clippers from the beginning of the season and I'm still going to stick with them at least for now, like barring a Kawhi or Paul George injury or something. I'm still sticking with the Clippers for now. Um, yeah. Cause just to kind of add to this, it was kind of cool because Zach and I both came up with our own topics before we did this. We didn't really necessarily know what the other one was going to pick until shortly before the episode, but I brought up a similar topic between the Lakers and Clippers. And mine is, I feel like the Clippers have an advantage, not only just because of all of the things that Zach mentioned, but if you look at the number of games played between 
Kawhi and Paul George versus Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And in addition to the number of games played, the amount of minutes per game played, LeBron and AD have played in way more games, played way more minutes. And to me, that just gives an advantage to the Clippers even more because despite the less amount of games that Kawhi and Paul George have played in, the Clippers are still just barely behind the Lakers in the standings. They're not that far behind them at all. And I think probably if they had played in more games, like if they'd both been fully healthy and played the whole time, the Clippers probably would be ahead of the Lakers in the standings. But overall, the regular season, as we've kind of talked about before, unless you're a team that's fighting to get, you know, into the seventh or eighth seed or something, the playoffs overall, I mean, not the playoffs, the regular season overall really is not that mm-hmm. important. So I give the Clippers a huge edge here because I feel like going into the playoffs, they're going to be much more rested than the Lakers. And that's going to be an advantage. I know in football, we've kind of talked about where having the rest going into the playoffs can be a disadvantage because you get rusty. You don't play a game for three weeks, but in basketball, the layoffs of taking a game off is nowhere near as long. So in basketball, I think it's more advantageous to have the rest than to have the overall team experience, you know, overall playing or overall playing experience. So I'm in agreement with everything Zach said. And then with this minutes advantage as well, I think this gives the Clippers a even more advantage. What about you, Zach? Do you think the um, do you think the minute differential, do you think that's going to be a big advantage? Do you think it's not an advantage or? Is it indifferent? What do you what do you think about that? Yeah, I probably don't have it as big of an advantage as you do, but I and if I have to look you can look at this from two perspectives. You can look at it from the Clippers are gonna be better because they're gonna be rested, or the Lakers are gonna be worse because they're not rested. I'm leaning on the side of more so it being the Clippers better because they are rested. Do you kind of understand what I'm saying? About? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's because, that's right. I mean, that's the exact perspective that I'm coming yeah. from here. Because I do think it, I do think it is kind of important when you have a new team to get that chemistry going. So the fact that the Lakers they do kind of have an advantage on that aspect where they've played more together as a team than the Clippers because of all the load managing and the injuries. So from that aspect you kind of like it a little bit more from the Lakers, but when you get to playoff basketball and I I feel like by the time we get to the Western conference finals or wherever these two teams meet in the playoffs, that they're going to be, that both teams will be fully ingrained with themselves. I think they're going to, you know, know each other's tendencies and all that sort of stuff. So when it comes into that, the Clippers having that rest is going to be a huge thing. It's going to allow them to play more minutes. It's going to allow them to, you know, kind of cancel out the athleticism of LeBron James a little bit if he's had to to play all this extra time. So I, I am with you. I think that I don't know if this is what's going to I don't think it's so this difference between the Lakers and Clippers is so close that this is the difference maker in the equation. But because I think it's quite I think it's quite a bit uh, bigger of a difference, but it is something that's definitely going to be hurting the Lakers here when they these two teams meet but 
we're going to be talking about this some more in a future episode uh, between the Lakers and Clippers. So we mo- and we do have a Lakers fan on the next episode. So <laughs> I'll be interested to hear what he has to say. But yeah, that's that's where we stand right now, guys. Between the Lakers and Clippers, I've you know kind of changed my mind on who's going to win between the t- these two teams. But uh, yeah, so I'll go on to my next question and. I'll start here down in the lower left-hand screen with the picture of Clay, Steph, and KD. So these three players have been obviously injured for almost all the season combined. And I really do think that this is hurting the league because it's been, everybody just thinks the Clippers, Lakers, Bucks right now. But if imagine if KD was on the net and... Between him and Kyrie, that would make things more interesting in the East. Imagine if Steph and Clay were both healthy in the West. Imagine, you know, in all their experience that they have, imagine that battle along with the L.A. battle. I just feel like with all these injuries, it's kind of, you know, put a little bit of a damper on the season. So I'll ask Eric this question. How bad have the injuries of Clay, Steph, and KD hurt the NBA so far? And will it be noticed when we get to the playoffs? Oh, it's definitely been a huge factor, and this is a topic I could really go on about for a long time because uh, for anybody that's been paying attention to the NBA ratings, they've definitely been way down this year. And I do believe that these injuries, these all-stars, has definitely been a big part of it. Now, I do also feel like there's been several other problems (laughs) Mm -hmm. as well. I don't know if I really want to get into all that, but definitely having these three players out is huge. And then I know we're going to talk about Zion in a little bit too. He's one of your topics, but which he's now been back, which is good, I think, but Mm -hmm. he's another one that going into the season, people were really hyped up about. And then of course he was injured. So he missed a lot of time. And so that's even another player that you could add to this list of Mm -hmm. injuries affecting the league, because the problem is, is that for the nationally televised games, the NBA picks so many Pelicans games. They picked so many Warriors games. And I want I don't know how, about how many the Nets have had, but they picked a lot between those two teams. And then in most of those games, the Warriors didn't have Steph and Clay in them and the Pelicans didn't have Zion in them. So a lot of a lot less people were watching. So hopefully next year when all three of these guys are both back that that'll make a difference and the ratings will get a nice bump and things like that. And, and I mean, I'm definitely excited for the league as a whole in terms of the competitiveness, because there's not one specific team where you're like, Oh, that team's for sure going to win, you know, like how it was with the warriors Mm -hmm. when they had all three of those guys there in that picture. But at the same time, having all those guys back will make it even more competitive and balanced, which is only a good thing for the NBA. So we'll see what happens next season when they get back. But it's de- it, they've definitely been missed for sure. Yeah. So we'll now we'll go on to one of Eric's questions on the screen. Yeah. So yeah, we already covered the Lakers Clippers. And so this one mainly is just a direct question to Zach. I'll give my opinion on it though, before he answers. But so Zach is for anyone that knows out of the Eastern conference, he's a big Orlando magic fan. And in the West, he's a big Portland trailblazers fan. So at the time, at least when I made the slides for this, the Magic were the 
either the eighth or ninth seed in the East, and then the Trailblazers were like eighth or ninth in the West. So one was eight. Well, we can go. We can go luck. Yeah, we could look at the official standings real quick. But while Zach's looking that up, basically both both teams are right on the cusp of either being in the playoffs or not being in the playoffs if the playoffs started today. So, yeah, okay, so the Magic are eighth. Yeah, and, and they're three the, games. They're three games from being out right now. And then on the western side, the Trailblazers are ninth, and they're With about four. They're games. four games from yeah. getting in. So both teams are pretty close to either. Yeah, on the bubble being in. So, so with that being said, the question that I wanted to bring to the table for Zach is: Will one or both of these teams make it into the playoffs? And if either or both teams do make the playoffs do they have a realistic chance of being able to pull an upset in the first round of the playoffs so i'm going to start with the magic i do believe the magic are going to get into the playoffs but most likely they're going to be going up against the bucks assuming they get the eight seed and i don't see that happening at all i i i would be very shocked if they were able to pull that out and they, I mean, it's not guaranteed that they would be playing the Bucks, but that's kind of what the situation's looking like right now. And so I don't think they would be able to do it, but I do think they get in the playoffs. Portland has been playing better lately, so I also feel like they will get into the playoffs. And then depending on what matchup they get, I feel like they could have a chance it would depend though I, I think if they go against the lakers or the clippers i don't think they're going to be able to beat them either of those two teams but if they get a first round matchup against the nuggets they did beat them in the playoffs last year and i feel like they for whatever reason like in the past have seemed to have the nuggets number so i feel like if they were to get in the playoffs and get matched up against the Nuggets, that they could pull off an upset. So, going to be interesting to see what happens here. But Zach, since you're fans of both of these teams, yeah. I really wanted to get your opinion on this and see what you thought. Yeah. So, I I'll start with the Magic. I definitely do think that they're going to make the playoffs. If I had to rank who I think would make it between the two, I I put in the Magic first uh, on this list, and it's really because the bottom of the East is pretty weak and I just don't see the Wizards or the Bulls or the Knicks or whatever team is down there being able to come back and, and overtake the Magic. Uh, so I think the Magic will get in. And the, the real key question is going to be, do they get eight or do they get seven? Because it's almost for certain Milwaukee will, will get the one seed. So looking at these standings right now, they are only two games out of the seven seed. They're... Uh, eight games out of the six seed. So realistically, it's a fight between the seven and eight seed between the Nets and Magic. If they can get the seven seed, sorry, and, and if they can get the seven seed and they face someone like Boston, Toronto, Miami, or Philly, or any of those teams, I'll give it, I'll give it a fair shot to upset those teams just because I think that they match up better with those teams, but if they match up against the Bucks, it's going to be a four-game sweep because the few times that they've played the Bucks this year have been blowouts in the favor of the Bucks. So if they go up against the Bucks, it's not even going to be competitive. But if they go up against any of those other teams, I'll give it a fair shot. I know they played the Raptors last season. They actually won game one, 
and there was another game that was pretty close. So it's not likely, but I would give it a decent shot. But really the key for them is to get the seven seed because that will make that first-round matchup more entertaining than if they were going to be the eight seed. And then for the Trailblazers, I do think that they're going to be able to come into the playoffs and get get a playoff seed. And I agree with Eric. If they play the Clippers or Lakers, though, it's going to be bad. They're going to lose. But the key for the Trailblazers is right now they've been playing with so many injuries and everything. In the game against the Jazz, which they should have won, but the refs missed a goaltending at the end of the game that would have won them the game. They only had seven players ready to like healthy and playing in the game, and like two of those they just got in trades before the trade deadline. Uh, one player got ejected too, so that lowered the number down. But still, that's not good. And the fact that they only that they should have won that game against the Jazz on the road tells you that this team, once they get their key big men back, like Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic that I do think they're going to go on a run. They've also done this in years prior where they weren't as bad. This is definitely the worst start in in several years for the Trailblazers, but they did go on like a February, March run where they won like 14 games in a row two seasons ago. Last year, they went on a run and they ended up with the three seed both times. I don't think they're going to do that this year, but I do think with those guys coming back into the lineup soon, that they're going to have enough to overtake the Grizzlies, who I think, I mean, it, between the Grizzlies and Trailblazers, do you really think the Grizzlies are going to get in? Like, I don't know. <laughs> but in uh, the Spurs, it just seems like the Spurs streak is going to end this year. So I, I like the Trailblazers to get in. But as far as a matchup-wise, who I would want them to match up with, I'd actually prefer Utah over Denver. I think Denver, I mean, that it went to seven games last year. And they've lost to Denver this year in the regular season. They should have beat Utah. I, I, I like I like the Portland Trailblazers' chances better if they were to play Utah as opposed to Denver. But if they play L, either LA team, it's they're going to lose in the first round. But that, so that's where I stand, guys, on those on my two favorite teams. Uh, fighting for the playoffs, not what you want to be thinking at this point, but at least you're in the conversation. <laughs> There you go. And just uh, real quick before we transition, I just saw the D.C. Defenders go XFL for a second on oh, yeah. a pick six. <laughs> and I have their defense and fantasy football today. So let's it's go. It's crazy, man. <laughs> yeah. but, it's um, like yeah, so DC they got is up that name Defenders. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for a reason. Good name. Good name. But um, <laughs> yeah, I guess with, before we go to the, your next topic, too, I guess I didn't think about that with the Magic. Like, I, do, I agree that I think that if they were to get matched up against someone other than the Bucks, they would have a decent chance. I, I, I would give them that. But, yeah, I, I guess I just was assuming that they got number eight, but I didn't think about them possibly moving up to seven or six or something. And maybe Six is going to be pretty hard to get, but yeah, seven, six probably seven not, is but, in, in realistic. So. Yeah, so we'll uh, yeah, we'll see. I ho- I'm hoping mm-hmm. for your teams, man, uh, especially Orlando, since I used to live in Florida, so I'll be keeping my eye on that. Yeah, yeah. All right, so my next question for you is going to be about Giannis and the Bucks. So I know Chris Middleton's an all-star, but really Giannis is probably going to be the MVP this year, and he's doing amazing things, has the best record in the NBA. I believe they can 
they're pretty close to clinching a playoff seed, which is pretty crazy this early in the season to do that. So my question for you is going to be, can Giannis by himself take down either L.A. team? My answer is going to be no, but I want to hear what what you've got to say about this. It's definitely interesting because going into the season, I had picked the 76ers to come out of the East. I felt like some of the players that the Bucks had lost before or during free agency, I felt was going to hurt them. And so initially, if you had asked me this question when the season started, I would have definitely said that there's no way. But now I'm definitely not going to say that for sure he will be able to do this. But I have been very impressed with how the Bucks have been playing. They've been doing extremely well. As you mentioned, they've got the best record. And he's up to his three-point percentage. Now, I know it's because teams aren't really guarding him on the three because they're not scared of him there. Mm-hmm. But if he keeps getting better, the, you know, opposing teams will have to respect that eventually. And he's just so difficult to stop when once he gets going. But I'm still ultimately, though, going to say no because I just haven't seen him be able to come through in the clutch when it's mattered the most you know, just yet. He had a really disappointing playoff exit last year. And, you know, I just I just don't know, man. I I guess, like I said, initially before the season started, I would have said no way. I would have given it a 0% chance. But now I do think that there is a chance it could happen. But I'm definitely not 100% on board with the fact that it could happen, if you know what I mean. I, I, just, yeah. I, know, it's kind of, I know it's kind of lame to give a no, but well, I'll, answer, but... I'll say this. I know you you prefer the Clippers to the Lakers, but do you also prefer the Bucks' chances to the Lakers over the Clippers? Like, Or do you think with the matchups that they would rather play the Clippers? Uh, I mean, if, if I was the Bucks and if I knew for sure I was going to get in the finals and then I got to choose who I was playing, I would, I would pick the Lakers. I just because I, I feel like the Lakers team defense as a whole is not as good as the Clippers. So that's going to be a better edge for Giannis. I mean, I, AD is obviously a great defender, but I would rather have Giannis going up against LeBron and some of those other guys that the Lakers have compared to the defenders that the Clippers have, because with the Clippers, they could rotate who guards him. I mean, they could put Paul George on him for a while. They could put Kawhi on him for a while. They can they can rotate who guards him so that players aren't having to expend so much energy, whereas with the Lakers, they're probably just going to put AD on him the whole game, which, in my opinion, would affect AD's offensive ability because he's going to have to spend so much energy trying to guard Giannis, and AD is such a big part of that offense, too. I feel like the Bucks would have a better chance against the Lakers, So, but... I, we, he does have to get but before you know we even get to that conversation of him you know being able to beat one of the la teams or any other team that might come out of the west he's got to get through the east first yeah. and even though the east isn't amazing in my opinion i do feel like the east is more balanced than it's been in years and so you know he's gonna have to you know get through the raptors celtics heat you know at least two of those teams so and none of those teams are exactly walks in the park. So I want to see him get through that first. I, he he needs he's got to be able to prove that he can mm-hmm. 
step up in the biggest moments and be able to take over the game in crunch time in the playoffs. And that that's just my main concern. If he's if he had been able to do that before, I'd probably be much closer to saying he could do it. But I've got to see him do that first. For sure. All right, we'll go get one of your questions now. All right, yeah, man. So uh, let's see. So we'll move on here. So the NBA trade trade deadline was pretty recent, and obviously the biggest trade coming out of that was the trade between the Warriors and the Timberwolves, where the Timberwolves acquired D'Angelo Russell and the Golden State Warriors acquired Andrew Wiggins. I do want to give a quick Photoshop fail if you're watching on YouTube, because whoever photoshopped that picture of D'Angelo Russell and Andrew Wiggins didn't put the new appropriate numbers on the jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, I also, also too, I got to butt in. Yeah, Kyle yeah. Lowry, what are you doing there grabbing Andrew Wiggins Oh, lower, yeah. lower body part. <laughs> I, didn't realize I mean, <laughs> when I put those pictures, Eric, you place these pictures like. together, but <laughs> yeah, if you're, if you're listening on iTunes or something, you won't know what we're talking about. But uh, check it out on YouTube around the like 32 minute mark, and you'll see. But I uh, it. man, that, that looks pretty bad. <laughs> he should go on a missing man's milk carton just for that. Yes. But anyway, <laughs> um, but so, so my question to bring to the table is, is which team got the better end of the deal? And I've been kind of torn on it because I feel like the trade works well for each team because with the Warriors, you know, they'll be getting Stephen Clay back eventually and having a three guard rotation isn't ideal, even though teams do play a lot more small ball with Steph Curry and D'Angelo Russell, they're both definitely liabilities on defense and that would be a big problem to have in my opinion. So I think it works out better for them getting Andrew Wiggins, who's obviously more of a forward role. So then you would have Steph Clay Wiggins and Draymond, which would be a more balanced part of your starting five, as opposed to having Russell Steph Clay and Draymond. So, but at the same time, I think for the Timberwolves, I think this, it was obvious that, Andrew Wiggins' time was there, was up. He wasn't, you know, becoming that star player that they were wanting him to be, and they really need help at the point guard position. So I think getting D'Angelo Russell will be good for them as well. So I'm kind of leaning towards it being more of a split, but I guess if I was going to give an advantage, I'm going to give a slight advantage to the Warriors just because I feel like having Andrew Wiggins completes their starting lineup a little better whereas for the Timberwolves they lost a starting caliber player but then gained the starting caliber player and so they're still kind of in the same position I think for the Timberwolves if they can lure in another a third you know good player to pair up with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns then that puts them in a good position but I'm still I'm going to give a slight edge to the Warriors here uh what are your thoughts on this trade Zach? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a big win for the Warriors because I I love this move so much more for the Warriors than the Timberwolves. The Warriors obviously they're tanking this season. They're gonna get a really good draft pick most likely. So you add that really good draft pick to Steph, Clay, Draymond, and now Wiggins, and now they're a title contender next season. And Minnesota they pick up D'Angelo Russell, who I've never been a huge fan of personally. Like you said, defensively, he's a liability. And the Timberwolves, 
I think they're just throwing darts at a dartboard here, trying to get something to work. It, they definitely do have a hole at point guard, so he's gonna be he's gonna improve their situation, but and contract wise as well, getting Wiggins numbers off their books. But another part of this trade too that Eric didn't bring up is that the Warriors now pick up a first round draft pick from the Timberwolves for next season. So not this this draft, but next year's draft, which I fully believe that that pick is going to be pretty bad. I mean, it's going to or it's going to be a good pick for the Warriors. So they're going to get, I think, another lottery pick out of this deal, which could be turned into another really good asset for them. And who knows? They might trade those assets for a superstar, or they might go and try and develop them and try and compete for titles on the backside of Stephen Clay's career. But I do think Wiggins, he's a really interesting case, and I think the Warriors are like the perfect situation for him. So that's why I have this as a win for the Warriors, because I just think he's going to mesh so good in this offense. Uh, I think he's going to, I don't say, I don't, I'm not going to say he's going to end up being Kevin Durant, but he has that kind of potential athletically. And you go into an offense where Steph and Clay, you know, run the offense it's and then learning from Draymond too. I just think Andrew Wiggins is going to, he's probably going to be most improved player in my opinion, next season. Um, it's perfect for him now. He get a, he gets a chance to kind of lead the team right now without Stephen Clay, so he's gonna get familiar with this offense. And then when they come back, he's gonna be, I think, more improved. And I think next season he might be what puts them towards an NBA Finals. So I'm going big on this for the Warriors. I I think it's an absolute win. Straight up, I think it'd be a win for them. But getting that first round draft pick also, you know, that sprinkles on the ice cream right there. So. I am a huge fan of this for Golden State. Minnesota, I think, is just throwing darts at the dartboard. Yeah, I'll just I'll say too. I didn't really, I didn't think about the draft pick. I don't know why I didn't yeah. factor that in when I thought of this. So yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change mine to from slight edge to. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, want, I still don't say like huge edge, but the slight edge to a solid edge. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, yeah, so Zach. What's your, what's your next topic? Yeah. So my next question. I'm going to be talking about Zion, obviously, here. So we're seeing him now. I think he's only played nine or ten games, and he's been a lot of fun to watch. He's lived up to the hype so far. And really, this is drawing – this is getting quite some overreaction from some people calling him a superstar right now and everything. First of all, I'm going to ask this question. Does he take the Pelicans to the playoffs? Previously, we talked about the Trailblazers. I think they get that eight seed, so I don't think they go to the playoffs this year. But then this next question, I'm not going to let Eric get off the hook here. How big of a star will he become? So I I want, you know, is he going to have three titles? Is that how big of a star he's going to be? Is he going to be one of these guys that puts up huge stats but never wins, like Devin Booker or somebody like that? How big of a star is he going to become? And my question, so my my answer for this is, I I think he will win win a title in his in in his career at some point. I don't think he's going to be LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard or Kevin Durant. I don't think he's going to end up having that type of a career. But I can see him getting a title and. I don't know, maybe having like a Dirk Nowitzki type of career where he's really good, his team goes to the playoffs many years, 
and then they get that one ring and he's a hall of famer but that's that like that's i think where he's going to end up being so I'll, I'll ask that to eric so you think the pelicans go to the playoffs this year and then how how big of a star will he become yeah in terms of the right now i do feel like it's going to be a little bit too little too late for the pelicans I think they probably would, could have made the playoffs if he had been available for the entire season. But I think it's just too tight of a race, too many teams. I I don't think they're going to get there this year. I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if they do, but I don't think they're going to. As for his star ability, status for the future, stuff like that, I mean, I'm definitely in agreement that he has that potential. I do think the... Dirk Nowitzki comparison that you made is pretty on point. I think that's a really good comparison. Okay. And I I would say that that is probably his ceiling. But I have one major concern about him. And that's just going to be with the injuries. Because obviously, you know, he had his you know, problems at Duke that one, you know, the one year he played there, like, I mean, he didn't miss like a ton of time, but he had some little nagging injury concerns going on there. And then of course, then he had the injury where he missed, you know, he'd missed all this time up into the season until just, till just pretty recently. And then even after he came back and made his debut and started playing and everything, he had another little kind of naggy type of injury that came up and I'm, worried if I'm worried if he's going to get that injury prone label and hopefully that doesn't happen because I mean one it would not be good for the NBA because he's you know been super hyped up to be the next star so obviously you don't want your next big star getting injured all the time and not playing and but you know I'm I'm a fan of him and I want to see him be successful and I like the team that he has around him on the Pelicans for the most part. So I would love to see him and the New Orleans Pelicans be successful. I would be okay with that. But I am just really concerned with his injury history that he's already had and the short amount of time that he's been playing. You know, he's still so young and hopefully he can overcome it. But it's, you know, the fact that he's had this many injuries in such a short period of time, it's uh, it's definitely concerning, you know, because another, which obviously I hope this doesn't happen to him, but the year when Kevin Durant came in the draft, there was another guy that was projected to be a big star in Greg Oden, but mm-hmm. he barely ever played because he was hurt all the time, and then he never really had a career, and of course people labeled him as a big bust, but who knows what would happen if he just hadn't been getting hurt all the time, but I'm really hopeful that doesn't happen to Zion and I hope he's able to have a very successful career. And, um, but if he's able to avoid the injuries, I I think that Dirk Nowitzki comparison was perfect in terms of the type of career that he has the potential to be able to have. So we'll see, but just healthy Zion. Quit getting hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. All right. So now we'll go to Eric's final question. Yeah. So my final question to bring to the table here is about the Toronto Raptors. And the question is, are you surprised at the amount of success they've been having this season? They are the number two seed in the East right now. And for me, I'm going to go with 
I guess the best way to describe it would be semi-surprised. And so this is my reasoning for that. I, I'm not surprised in the sense that I going into the season, I still thought the Raptors were going to be a pretty good team. But I'm surprised because I didn't expect them to be this good. Because obviously with Kawhi Leonard being gone, you know, he's arguably one of the top players in the league. And then, you know, Danny Green's obviously not the most amazing player, but he was a starter for them. So to lose two of your five starters from a championship team, especially with one of them being an all-star, that hurts normally. And so I, going into the season, had the Raptors finishing probably around fifth or sixth seed in the East and then maybe winning the first round and then, but then losing to either the Bucks or the 76ers in the second round, depending on who their matchup would be. But now at this point in the season, you know, them being the number two seed in the East, I could definitely see them getting in the Eastern conference finals because the 76ers haven't been as good as we thought they were going to be, the Heat have been a surprise, though. They're pretty good, and Boston's been pretty good. So the competition's going to be stiff, but I had them as, at a ceiling of a second-round exit, but I could see them getting to the Eastern Conference Finals now, which would be better than what I had initially projected them at. So they're playing really well as a team. Uh, Kyle Lowry's been doing pretty well, your favorite player. <laughs> I mean, I know it's not the playoffs, though. That's, you know, that's sometimes when he can disappear, but... I guess a big edge I would have for the Raptors though going into the playoffs to kind of go back to the Giannis thing that we talked about earlier, if the Raptors and the Bucks were to meet up in the playoffs, you know, this is like another instance of me saying that where I said earlier where I want to see Giannis prove that he can come through in the clutch because while the Bucks on paper may still be a better team than the Raptors without them having Kawhi, the Raptors have the playoff experience. They've They've been through this. They've won a championship, whereas the Bucks haven't been that far yet. So that would be a one edge the Raptors would have on them in a playoff series. Now, like I said, I would I would think the Bucks would still come out on top, but Giannis has to prove it to me. But anyway, I know I've kind of went in a lot of different directions here. But so, but Zach, I'll ask you the same question. So, are you surprised with the amount of success that the Raptors have had this year, and how far do you see them getting? Um, there we go. That's better. Um, (laughs) (laughs) if you're watching the, if you're not watching on YouTube, uh, Zach took Kyle Lowry's face out of the picture that I posted on the screen there. So I I did because these, the Fred Van Vliet and Siakam are, are much better. I think they're much more the future of the Raptors, but yeah, I, I'm a little bit surprised, but I know I shouldn't be surprised. I'm The only reason I'm saying I am surprised is because I projected them to finish lower in the standings early season. But the more and more I think about it, the more and more I think of how how I really underestimated losing Kawhi because this Raptors team, even pre-Kawhi, was consistently either the one or two seed in the Eastern Conference for the previous years uh, before Kawhi coming. So from that aspect, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself now, like I should have seen this coming because you remember back when LeBron was leading the East with the Cavs, but the Raptors usually had better regular seasons than them. Or if they did, 
those are the matchups. It was always the Raptors couldn't get past LeBron and the Cavs, but the Raptors were always the other best team in the East. So I shouldn't be surprised that the Raptors are doing this well because, quite frankly, when have they not done this well? Not aside, take a while out of the picture. It's been a while since the Raptors haven't had success. But like you said, Eric, they when it comes to the playoffs, if they play Milwaukee and win that, yeah, I, I would be surprised for sure. But yeah, they're not my biggest surprise of the season, but they are a little bit of a surprise because I I expected I expected certain teams to be better. I expected Brooklyn to be better, Indiana, Philadelphia especially to be better than them. So that's yeah, maybe you know it, it was wrong on me for to forget how the Raptors did pre Kawhi, but I, I had to block out Kyle Lowry. <laughs> And I guess the other question is, is uh, to follow up that follow up would be, uh, will when the playoffs do arrive, will we see Kyle Lowry on a missing person's milk carton again? You can buck it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's great. OK, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, so so my final question now, this will be the final question for the episode, but it's going to deal with the 76ers, Ben Simmons and. Joel Embiid. So before I, I'll, I'll say the question and I'll, I'll give my answer. But so the question is, how far do the 76ers need to go in the playoffs to justify not breaking up Embiid and Simmons? And my answer to that is going to be, they need to go to the finals. I think I don't even think Eastern Conference Finals is sufficient enough because this is now two or three seasons where. They've supposedly had the best player in the East, Embiid, and the better co-star with Ben Simmons. And from a basketball perspective, I'll explain why I don't think this pairing is going to work out. I don't think they're going to reach the finals. So if they don't reach the finals, I would expect them to trade Embiid and get a lot, obviously, out of that trade. But it's not working between Embiid and Simmons because their games don't mesh. Simmons... While he's labeled a point guard, he's not a normal point guard because he doesn't take three-point shots. And that hurts him because they're both kind of in the paint. They're both kind of running into each other and where they are where they want to be on the court and feel natural on the court. Because Embiid, he needs to be down on the low block, bullying people to the basket. If you get him down on the, down the paint, that type of area he's lethal but when but instead what tends to happen is since Ben Simmons is such a horrible three-point shooter he just doesn't want to try he has to go out on the perimeter and that's just not working with this team so I think either Ben Simmons needs to I don't I don't know who they keep and who they get rid of but if I were if I were running the team and they don't make the finals I would trade Embiid just because I think with the injuries, I think he's more of a wild card. Ben Simmons, I think, is is safer in the long term, but Embiid's the better player. But I'd still trade him. Their their play styles just don't mesh. And if they lose again in the Eastern Conference Finals or semifinals or something like that, I don't know what they expect to happen next year and be different uh, when you still have Giannis in the East. So that's that's my ceiling for for them. But Eric, how far do you think they need to go to justify not trading one of these guys oh sorry my phone fell over <laughs> uh 
I don't know if they need to get to the NBA finals to justify not breaking them up, but I'm in a similar agreement with you though, in terms of the fact that really, I think they do need to be broken up, but I know for the case of the 76ers management, you know, you got two supposed stars, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to break that up when you, you know, getting good talent can be hard to come by. But if it was me though, this is where I'm going to disagree. I would trade Ben Simmons because I guess just like if I was running a team, I want my point guard to be able to do more than just pass and make layups. I mean, I, I want my, I want my point guard to also be able to hit the deep shot, be able to spread the offense around and do things like that. I'm really not a fan of Ben Simmons at all. I'm not a fan of his game. If he wasn't so tall, I think he would be garbage in the NBA, but his height for the point guard ability is what gives him such an advantage. But I'm just overall not a fan of him. And if I was the 76ers, I would keep Embiid and just try to get some, you know, get a more pure point guard on the team and just get some other people that can shoot. And then, like you said, let Embiid be able to go to do his thing in the paint because that's where he's more that's where he's more dominant. Now, I do agree, though, obviously, Embiid has had the injuries and, you know, there's always that concern. But I don't know, man, if I was the 76ers management, I just I would do it. I, I, I was surprised at that huge contract they gave Ben Simmons. I when I saw that, I did not agree with that at all. But of course, I'm not a fan of a lot of the contracts that a lot of these NBA players get. But uh, I was especially not a fan of that one. So if I was the 76ers, unless they win a championship, unless they somehow win the championship, which I highly doubt at this point, uh, I'm going to also, before we get to the end here, I'm going to kind of do like Zach did. Zach switched his uh, Western Conference final pick from the Lakers to the Clippers. Well, I'm changing my Eastern Conference final pick from the 76ers to the Bucks because... The 70, while the 76ers are still a good team, they definitely have not been what I thought they were going to be after re-signing Tobias Harris and after bringing in Al Horford. Even though they lost Jimmy Butler, I still figured they were going to be, the, especially with the pieces the Bucks lost, I thought for sure the 76ers were going to be the best team, and they have definitely not lived up to that. So I guess that's my take on it. I have a similar feel with the where they need to get in the playoffs, just maybe not to the finals to, for the justification. But if I'm trading one, I'm trading Simmons and not Embiid. Yeah, I'll kind of, I'll kind of respond to that because uh, the reason, another reason other than the injury one, which is probably the biggest for trading Embiid, it just doesn't seem like Embiid wants to be there. It seems he's played soft. He's been labeled like a soft player and everything. And he, it's, he seems to me like a Jalen Ramsey type of player where there's other players like comment, like Jimmy Butler was like, come to Miami and he liked that post and stuff. So it just seems to me like Jimmy or like Embiid, he's just not meshing with the team as much. Whereas like Ben Simmons is more like the steady. Well, I, de- I definitely agree with you. Embiid is the better talent of the two. I think in between the injuries and him, not appearing to want to be there and being soft at times and getting bullied in the paint. It's he's been a letdown for me. His potential is through the roof, but 
that's why and I also think they're going to be able to get a lot more out of that type of a trade than if they trade Ben Simmons but um so that that's kind of more yeah. of my reasoning is on why that specific player but for just the breaking up concept we agree about that say so, shoot maybe, maybe what they need to do is just trade both of them <laughs> <laughs> start uh, well start the process over again <laughs> yeah exactly man. i mean do shoot do like do like the thunder did when they yeah. traded i mean because uh, i mean i know we don't talk about the thunder this episode but i think well, i mean obviously paul george wanted to be with Kawhi and all that so that was a big reason why that trade happened but at the same time i think the thunder management looked at this team and even though russell westbrook and paul george are you know considered two of the nba's elites I think they realized, you know, it doesn't matter how long we have these two guys on our team, we're not going to win the championship. And maybe the 76ers are in a similar position. You know, they've got two of these all-star talents, but maybe their management might think one day, okay, you know, these guys are two of the elites, but will we ever win a championship with these two guys? And if the answer is no, they should, if they think that, that the answer is no, they should consider doing what the Thunder did, get a boatload mm-hmm. of draft picks, get some younger guys, cheaper guys, and just kind of yeah. ride the wave a little bit and then build it all again through the draft and maybe be able to get one like splash free agent to build around it or something. I don't know. But I guess I didn't really con- I hadn't really considered Embiid playing soft and not wanting to be there. But maybe it, it could be too, it could be partially maybe why he doesn't want to be there is maybe he doesn't Maybe him and Ben Simmons don't have the greatest chemistry yeah. or something, and maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe if they got somebody that he'd more so want to play with. Because I felt like initially he really did want to be there because he was like one of the biggest believers in the whole trust the process thing that they that Philly went through when they were really bad. And you know, he was there when they turned it around and got good. So if I was him, I wouldn't. I don't know why he would feel like he would want to leave, but I don't know. But like you said, he could be like a you know diva or something. Yeah. You know, that could be you know, just part of the problem. But if I was on a team that just sucked so bad for so long, and then I got to be there when they turned it around and got good, I would not want to leave that situation. I would want to keep trying to do what we needed to get that championship. But that's just me, you know, not, not, you know, obviously not all the athletes in the sports world are going to be like that, but I don't know, man, that, that's a, it's turning into a mess of a situation there. It for is. Sure, but but so, yeah, like I said, maybe I'd switch it to trade both of them. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I'm not going to write them off. I'm not going to change my pick only because uh, of the 76ers ro- or home record is unbelievable. I think they've only lost twice at home. They're like 25 and two or something like that. Um, but they're, but yeah, it's going to be interesting if they face the bucks, what happens between that. But I'm not, I'm, I'm I'm going to keep my pick just because of the, their home court advantage, and they have beat the Bucks a few times this season, so I, I'm going to keep it. But yeah, it's definitely they're not the favorites for sure. Um, but that's going to wrap up this episode, guys. We're going to be back to you on Friday. We're going to have some, the guest from something like a podcast, RRM, and Kyle, or not Kyle, uh, Aaron Swarm. Uh, he's they're gonna be on our show, so look forward to that. We got a great show coming for you there. And uh, once again, we apologize for not being out on Friday like we usually are. Had a lot of busy things going on between the two of us, so that's why this episode's out on Tuesday. But we'll be back, guys. <laughs> Take care. Definitely.
Peace.